So by now, I'm hoping that you've heard about the brand new PodCore subscription that Speech Therapy PD has rolled out. For $79 a month, you get over 175 hours of ASHA continuing education with 19 new episodes a month. That's fantastic. Well, they want to make sure that you also know we have a brand new coupon code. So the coupon code is F as in first, B as in bite, followed by the number 20, FB20. And that brand new coupon code will give you $20 off the PodCourse subscription. So you get 175 hours of continuing ed plus an average of 19 new hours a month, all for $59 a year. And we cover everything from early intervention to schools to adults to ethics. So be sure to type in F as in first, B as in bite, and then the number's 20. Enjoy your coupon, or as my kin folks say, enjoy that coupon. Hi folks, and welcome to First Bite, fed, fun, and functional a speech therapy podcast sponsored by SpeechTherapyPD.com. I am your host on this nerd venture, Michelle Dawson, MS, CCC, SLP, CLC, the all things PEDS SLP. I am a colleague in the trenches of home health early intervention right there with you. I run my own private practice, Heartwood Speech Therapy, here in Town, South Carolina and a guest lecture nationwide on best practices for early intervention for the medically complex and fragile child. First Bite's mission is short and sweet, to bring light, hope, knowledge, and joy to the pediatric clinician, parent, or advocate by way of a nerdy conversation, so there's plenty of laughter too. In this podcast, we cover everything from AAC to breastfeeding, ethics on how to run a private practice, pediatric dysphagia to clinical supervision, and all other topics in the world of pediatric speech pathology. Our goal is to bring evidence-based practice straight to you by interviewing subject matter experts to break down the communication barriers so that we can access the knowledge of their fields. Or, as a close friend says, to build the bridge. By bringing other professionals and experts in our field together, we hope to spark advocacy joy, and passion for continuing to grow and advance care for our little ones. Every fourth episode, I join in. I'm Erin Forward, MSP, CCC, SLP, the Yankee by way of Rochester, New York transplant who actually inspired this journey. I bring a different perspective, that of a newish clinician with experience in early intervention, pediatric acute care, and nonprofit pediatric outpatient settings. So sit back, relax, and watch out for all our squirrels and enjoy this geeky gig brought to you by SpeechTherapyPD.com. I am so excited to have on tonight's guest because y'all, the stars literally had to align to make this possible. And I'm like not even joking about that. Sweet Madeline Ratz. I'm hoping I'm saying that right. It's a log A, um, senior speech language pathologist from Children's Health Queensland. Yes, that Queensland's from the land down under. Her and I have worked for the last several weeks to make tonight happen. 
But y'all, a 15 plus hour time difference, Pack Dawson coming down with COVID. Thank you, Boo Bear Dawson. And then, you know, holidays and life. But y'all, the stars did align and here we are. Ta-da! In case you missed it, I had the pleasure of interviewing Madeline way back at the very start of the worldwide pandemic on evaluation and treatment of pediatric feeding disorders in episode 11 of Talking Teletherapy, a speech therapy podcast, which full disclosure is also sponsored by speechtherapypd.com, and each episode also counts towards an ASHA CEU too. Anywho, y'all, Madeline is moving and shaking up the world of PFDs, and can I get a red carpet rollout tonight for her? da 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 Because y'all, she is even presenting for Feeding Matters alongside other all-star leaders across the globe as part of their 8th annual International Pediatric Feeding Disorder Conference scheduled virtually on April 29th through April 30th. So I am in awe and grateful that she has put up with my scheduling shenanigans and chaos, and I am thrilled to finally have her here on First Bite. So, Madeline, hi. How's it going? What time is it? And thank you. (laughs) No, thank you. Thank you so much for that lovely intro. It is nine o'clock my time and it is very warm and hot, which I think is a little bit different to your weather. (laughs) Well, I mean, we're in like the southern part of South of uh, America, so it was definitely like in the 70s today. But yeah, it's um, a little after um, six my time, so tiny time difference change. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, y'all are in summertime when we go into wintertime, right? Yes. Yeah. So I'm like aiming to hopefully going for a swim later today. Oh, my God. <laughs> At dinner, Christian was like... We really just need to throw away the kids' plastic pool. By the time next summer rolls around, it's going to be, like, chipped and frayed. And I'm like, yep, to Dollar General, come May. (laughs) (laughs) Have fun. Better you than I, friend. (laughs) Oh, my. Okay, so you've you've been rather busy, and you're pretty close to finishing up your PhD, right? Yeah, I'm um, hopefully going to submit sort of early um, next year. Um, Yay. pretty exciting to, I sort of started my PhD in, uh, telly in about 2017. So, um, it's been a crazy ride and obviously COVID has, um, really changed the landscape of, of telly. Yes. Okay. Wait. So folks, um, backstory when, um, Madeline and I talked last time, she was talking about her research is actually, uh, all about how to use teletherapy for evaluation and treatment of PFDs. And it was not as common um, prior to COVID. And now it has been, we've had to embrace it, right? Uh, But she was on the cutting edge of this before the rest of us kind of had to sink or swim. So she's had time to learn and grow and she has years of experience to share with us which is just fantastic because um I don't know how it's going in Queensland but um or overall Australia but here in the states the numbers are just rising astronomically and I can tell y'all firsthand Um, COVID is nothing to play with as best as Pac Dawson did to try to keep it out of our home. Um, it managed to sneak its way in. Um, so 
yeah, there's my there's my tiny wash your hands, wear a mask, hug your relatives from six feet um, soapbox. Yes. <laughs> but how how is it doing there in in Australia? Are are y'all's numbers hanging in there? Um, we're actually we're very lucky in Australia, um, and particularly in Queensland where I am, that we haven't had. Um, like there's no community transmission of, of COVID. All of our sort of COVID cases are returned overseas travellers who are in quarantine. Um, so we're, we're very blessed in, in that respect um, that we've, we've sort of, um, it hasn't been as big um, sort of my, uh, sort of some of the other states in, um, in Australia. So people might have heard about Melbourne, which is in Victoria. They had quite a significant lockdown, um, but they're coming out of that now and doing really well. So um, we're, we're very lucky in that respect. Um, yeah, and you're very sweet about your intro of my PhD, but I was very lucky to, um, one of my supervisors is Professor Liz Ward, who um, has been doing tele-research in, in adults for many years, <laughs> many, many years. Um, and then I'm also really lucky to have got to work with Dr. Claire Burns and Dr. Jean Marshall, who, um, you know, they've also, uh, Claire Burns' PhD was in, in telepractice as well. So I've got to learn from um, experts and, and sort of learn from what they've done, which has been really great. And it's been lovely. I sort of started, I suppose, my telepractice experience clinically. Um, a lot of it came about because the state that I work in, Queensland, is um, it's very large. It's about two and a half times the size of Texas. Oh my God. Yeah, I just have to look that up before I talk, uh, before I go and um, talk to anyone, because uh, I feel like that gives a nice explanation of sort of the, the geographical area that I service. And so, yeah, yeah we, we sort of use telepractice to help support our, our families who live very rural and regionally. And we, we have families who live um, sort of hours from any sort of nearest town or, or health service as well. So what is the industry? Is, is it desert? Is it, I'm, I have, I have so many different questions. Like what does Queensland actually look like? Um, it's quite, so like it's, it's quite different, like the middle sort of part of it um, versus like up the top north, which is quite tropical and rainforesty versus out when you get sort of um it's a lot of like farmland or um quite bare sort of red um it just Queensland I think is quite diverse in sort of how the state looks that's amazing I just I did the google and I pulled it up on a map and even on google maps it's got different colors and it's beautiful oh my stars is that the great barrier reef to your right Yes, yeah. So that's up, up top, the up the top north. So sort of where it's quite tropical and rainforesty. Oh my stars! Yes. Okay. Well, I'm adding I'm adding Queensland and coming to visit you <laughs> post COVID. Um, yeah. And 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 we'll say hello. How about that? We'll add that to the dream bucket list. <laughs> Definitely sounds great. <laughs> nice. Okay. Well. Okay. So I have. I, I'm I'm dying to know since we last talked, and I think forgive me, I think it was April or May when we last recorded. But have you seen an uptick in outreach in general in the field of teletherapy for pediatric feeding disorders, or like an interest? Have you seen that grow globally? Yes, I think. Um, sorry, I'm also just recovering from a cold. Um, but so I think 
yeah, there's definitely been an increased interest internationally um, in in other fields as well. So I um, really focus my research on speech pathology, or speech language pathology. Sorry, um, but then sort of some of our colleagues at, at work in, in occupational therapy and dietetics are really getting on board, telepractice and and sort of really embracing um, this sort of change and, and this this different service delivery model. Okay, all right. I've seen it with OTs and I've had some PTs that I've talked to and they were like, it's really hard because we can't get hands on. But um, I think one of the most, one of my favorite takeaways from the last couple months is, yes, it was very hard for me personally because I am, I am hands on. Like I like to, I, I like to be there and I love to I like being around people. Right? <laughs> so that this has been hard for me because I'm an um, extrovert introvert. But one of the things that has brought me so much joy is by me physically not being there. I feel like the quality of my parent coaching skills has improved. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's been that's been joyful. I should probably be able to quantify it better than that to, to be like the scientist part of speech pathologist. But um, I, I do. I truly feel like that has significantly improved. But let's let's take it from the top. We have, um, I mean, historically that teletherapy in the states, our states have um, for pediatric feeding disorders has not been incredibly well received. And honestly, it wasn't even reimbursed by insurance. Uh, we had across the country, we've had Medicare finally approved for um, adult dysphagia uh, here in the last couple months. And different states have authorized for the use of pediatrics for Medicaid and different private insurances. There is a very re real fear here in the states that effective December 31st, a lot of state health insurances will not extend basically it was like an emergency clearance for teletherapy um however with an, unfortunately with our numbers on the rise I, I think that we will see teletherapy um continue to be approved for the next couple months so there are some folks that have not yet transitioned into teletherapy so what what factors do we need to consider when we're we're jumping into this yeah, I think, um, you know, as we've talked about, the landscape's really changed now and some people have been doing this for years before COVID. Some people have been doing this since COVID started and really jumped in, you know, months ago. Um, and for some people, yeah, this is still sort of newer. And I think the first thing that I like to think about um, or the first thing I'd encourage people to think about is considering the types of tasks that you need to complete via telepractice. And figuring out first if they're achievable, as you've, you've already sort of said, Michelle, um, you can't be hands-on and that can be really challenging, but it also has some really great bonuses in terms of parent coaching. And I think that's one of my favourite things that, that has come out of telepractice is um, just being able to see um, parents and carers like really thrive and really embrace being that sort of lead agent of intervention and really getting confident and comfortable at home in implementing this um I've just really seen so many people shine in, with sort of that change but so I think yeah one, once you've figured out 
if it's at all achievable to, um, you know, what things you can and can't do by a telepractice, um, then considering how you're going to modify some of those tasks for the tele environment. So for example, the, like an infant oral reflex exam, you know, usually you're in, in person for that and, and you're, you're touching, um, you know, the infant's face and, and doing all those sorts of things. But when I do that by a telepractice, what I do is I've got some set instructions and I actually coach and talk a parent through doing that, making sure I've got a really good camera set up so that I can see. But that's something that's really quite easy to sort of talk a parent through doing it. And sometimes if you haven't sort of thought about, okay, well, I, I need to do this. How am I going to do this? Um, it can sort of seem just a little bit overwhelming and, and quite daunting because it is it's different I would think the parents would do a better oral mech than us I mean like on the surface think like when I go to do an oral mech exam on some of the children they don't know us and we're Mm. a stranger another stranger in scrubs with gloves trying to get in their face right um and an infant may not have that memory but like a toddler would but I could see how a parent doing it, oh, it's just mom trying to brush my teeth again, or it's just, you know, dad trying to, you know, I don't know, put aura gel or whatever the anti-teething um, cream in my mouth is. I could see how they would have a more positive experience than us being in their person. Does yeah, yeah. And no, no. And like toddlers love, um, had lots of fun. Um, you know, they love seeing themselves in the camera um, at their own game. <laughs> Um, and you know, some really, you have some really great fun when you're trying to, yeah, get them to, you know, pull some faces or poke out their tongue and you can get mum or dad sort of doing a really fun sort of demonstration. And then they watch themselves in the sort of in the camera on the screen. And it just, yeah, like they can, it can just be a lot more fun and a lot less intimidating than sometimes when you're trying to do that in person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> We've been attempting homeschooling again after, you know, I mean, yeah, we had the COVID. So like we had like mandatory homeschooling for a couple of weeks and watching a bunch of kindergartners all trying to <laughs> remain silent on the video camera has been a comedy of errors, but bears having bears enjoy themselves. And I'm glad that we get to go back to school soon. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. That sounds funny. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they, the, the, the parents, so, but do you, how do you, do you send this list to the parents in advance, like the expectations? Do you send that yeah. in advance to them or do they get that like the day of? How does, how does the behind the scenes paperwork trail work? Yeah. And I think there's definitely a bit more background effort to setting up a telepractice appointment. Um, and that can feel sometimes a little bit burdensome but it's really worth the payoff. Um, so what what we do if I'm sending out like a, when I usually send out like my link to, you know, this is the link that you click on to access the appointment, I'll also attach, uh, we've got two sort of set fact sheets um, that we use that sort of um, explain like who needs to be there for the appointment, specifying, I think I told you last time that we caught up that I've previously had people turn up for their telepractice appointment and that the child hasn't actually been in the house. Um, <laughs> Yeah. 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 So, mm-hmm. Like to specify that the, that a parent and the child needs to be there, unless of course, we're just catching up, you know, and doing just a one-on-one talk with the parent. Um, but we talk about who needs to be there, um, sort of how they can optimize like the video and the audio. So we talk about um, trying to have, so one of the issues is that if um, sort of you're holding like a smartphone um, and your arm gets really tired, 
but be yes. um and sometimes this might depend on the, the system that you're using but for me that really pixelates the images because it's sort of moving all the time and so what we found is getting the parent to set their their device up on a tripod or like supported by books or something so that they're not holding it and it's not moving really improves the image quality um so you know we give them some tips on that we send them sort of um a, like you know a list of have these sorts of things pre- prepared so we talk about you know having all of the like the nipple and the and the bottle ready or having um sort of some easier foods and some tricky foods or if we're doing a, a therapy session um we'll do a bit of planning with the parent about exactly what foods we need to have prepared um, and then we have sort of some common camera angles with some picture examples so that they sort of know what they're what we're wanting them to set up You also mentioned, and I'm still trying to wrap my brain about around how amazing the health insurance must be in all of Australia, that this is paid for and that they even have like community covered internet so, or something um, like that. So it was that, um, so for us here, they've, um, a lot of our allied health, cause I work in the hospital, our allied health services are, um, there as long as they're what we call Medicare eligible, which is that they're an Australian citizen or have like cover that that covers, then it's it's no out-of-pocket expense to families. Um, and depending on where they live, if they don't have internet access within their family home, we can link into other health services. So for example, like a rural hospital or their local GP clinic, and they can use that internet if they don't have anything where they are. So yeah, we're, we're very lucky, which again, I think part of that comes down to that sort of geographical issues that, that I was talking about. But yeah, so that's that's a real positive for us. It's easy to do it into family homes um, just because that's where they've got all their equipment and sometimes like some of the little telly rooms are um, like unusually shaped or, you know, they're just a little bit different, but it's a great option to have as well. We're very lucky. Yeah. We, I, I have to be honest, we don't, we have whole sections of Richland County, which is, so Columbia is in the dead center of South Carolina um, and it's the state capital and it resides in Richland County. And there's, in, there's actual parts of the state capital county that don't have high speed internet access, which is just appalling. And it's it's because of politics. Like I'll call it for what it is, right? And um, so students haven't had access to participate in home based school that has been mandated because they they simply couldn't access the internet. Yeah, that's, so that's really tough. Yeah, it it has been. Um, and so for us to do teletherapy. Folks, you may, um, you're, if you have a private practice and you're looking at doing this, you may want to look into grants because there's a lot of grants available now um, that um, if, you're, if your families um, need internet access or if they need a device that could support it because they may not have um, a phone that has a camera, they might have an older flip phone or something that's unreliable there might be financial supports available for them here in the States because of this, or your state early intervention system um, might be able to offset that cost or provide them a, a central location to go to to participate in teletherapy. So 
Don't assume that your families can't do it. They might just need um, extra supports uh, in order to be successful engaging in teletherapy. It's, we've had to get very creative, and it has definitely highlighted deficits within our healthcare system that a lot of us knew about, but we didn't have to face until this many months in. Yeah, that's the most PC I can get about that. (laughs) So we're just gonna, we're just gonna move the conversation along. Okay, so what other, um, you're making Australia sound really pretty, darling. I'm just saying. (laughs) Uh, I don't know, but I've seen pictures of y'all snakes, so. (laughs) Uh, yeah, not, not uh, a fan of the snakes or the spiders, but yeah. that's okay. Yeah, no, no. We, my goose is really into these books right now. This is his eight-year-old boy brain, right? Where it's like, who would win the ultimate battle? And it pits like one actual creature against another actual creature. And he was like, where can we go see all these cool snakes? I was like, Australia. And your mother's not going. <laughs> so, like, Yes, yes. Okay. All right. So tell us, what else do you do behind the scenes to get your family set for success? Yeah. So as I said, we um, there's a lot of email communication beforehand and sending those fact sheets. As I said, if we're doing sort of an intervention session, either we might talk about it like at the end of their previous tele session um, of planning out the foods or um, you know what they need to have prepared. So I'll just make sure that I know or that they know what types of foods we're going to be presenting um, so that ideally I could have some similar things because you know even though you can't be there directly hands-on um, you know I use a lot of and I know I think you were saying you did as well Michelle um, I use a lot of dolls and modeling and so I will feed the baby doll or I'll swaddle you know if I'm trying to demonstrate a positioning to a parent I might use the baby to sort of demonstrate that or I might use you know the doll to feed and to be doing some of that um, sort of encouragement and modeling um, or I might be eating myself so I always like to know what they're going to have so that I can prepare similar. Yes. Yeah and then I always like to like at the end of the session I'll always email them with like a a summary of sort of the session or the recommendations that we talked about you know and then yeah that follow-up of you know you said for the next session you were going to have apple pear and you know cheese um you know Mm -hmm. so that it's really clear and that they've got any contact details um email or phone if there's any questions or concerns in between yeah that's sort of the the most most of the sort of behind the scenes work and then sort of when we when we start like a session you know at the start of every session I'm making sure that I know who's there you know so everyone's introducing themselves that we establish a disconnection procedure so that can be really important because technology issues do happen yeah there's no getting around it and you know, I, I think a lot of what the research says is actually that the that those sorts of issues are more frustrating to us as clinicians because we're just so used to being able to go in and, and just get it done and do it. Um, but actually families are a lot, lot more forgiving with some of those issues than what we are. But so I always like to talk about, you know, if the session cuts out, you know, disconnect and then, you know, try logging back in or if that doesn't work, then I'll call you, you know, is this your best number? And so that there's just a really clear plan and what you don't have happen is you're partway through a session, it you know, kicks you out or something, something goes wrong. And then you're sort of sitting there for five minutes going, 
are they going to call me? Uh, what, what, what do I do here? If you sort of put that in place, it just can make that sort of process a lot easier and a lot um, less stressful for everyone. And then similar, similarly, also, we establish safety procedures. So, you know, that um, if something were to go wrong, um, which, you know, ideally it's not going to, but, you know, if there was a medical emergency or something like that, they would be responsible for commencing first aid and, and you know, contacting emergency services. And just, again, making sure that's really clear at the start so that you don't get further down the session and then, and then it's very confusing and sort of stressful in, in the situation. So since you and I last talked... I've, I've taken over a position uh, as clinic coordinator for Francis Marion University, and they've never had, South Carolina as a state's never had a pediatric feeding disorder clinic at a university level. So this is like all new. So I have listened to what you have said, and I, I still have room. I am self-critical, right? But like I have room to grow for like, like with respect to like setting up additional like layers of protocol like at the university because I'm going to overanalyze my work and as such we should. But having those expectations, knowing in advance who's going to be there. And one piece that I didn't take into consideration was also knowing about their other therapy schedules because just like you and I were talking before we like hit the record button, our our allied health members are getting involved, right? So I have some kiddos that, God bless them, if they have an OT session before they have speech session, we are not going to have a great feeding therapy session because yep. they are like ramped up or they are wore out and attention is shot, right? But I have other little kiddos that I hope to God they have that OT session earlier in the morning before they see me because then they have hit a, then they're regulated, right? Then they have gotten that input that they needed so that they're set for success for Miss Michelle and fabulous student Miss Susie Q. I mean, that's a fictitious name, but uh, that's my favorite <laughs> little girl fictitious names, Susie Q and Billy Bob. But I mean, then we, we're ready to go with the next task, right? So... I would, I would always ask that at the start because schedules change. I mean, a colleague could have been sick or had to reschedule, but it's helpful to know in advance who is before you mm, in yeah, the day. That, yeah. Yeah. That's a great, yeah, great sort of thing. Cause I know that, um, yeah, one of the benefits of telly is that you can be a little bit more flexible. I mean, sometimes we can't be flexible with our clinic schedules, you know, sometimes there's restrictions there, but Sometimes it can be easier for families to be more flexible. Of actually, yeah, it would be great to see you after we do OT, and you know we could just mm-hmm. log log into you straight after instead of having to drive, you know, an hour or you know get stuck in traffic, and then you know the benefits are gone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and one thing that I have enjoyed, I have been able to co-treat with OTs uh, way more than what I could do when I was doing face to face. Because normally, like when we're doing home-based services, I mean, the OT is probably seeing a different part of the county or a different part of the state on the same day, and you're, you're stretched, right? But when one of us is doing teletherapy and the other one's in home, it's much easier for, like, at least for me, it was much easier to try to, like, 
overlap, at least for like part of the session. So I could say, hey, this is this is what I've seen. What have you seen? Where are we with this reflex integration? You know, what recommendations do you have to work on regulation before, after, during? And that has been phenomenal. So folks, like as stressful as this is to take on a new task and to learn new technology and it may feel like you have to do more work at the beginning, but really truthfully, I'm sure Madeline will attest to this because I sure as anything can. Maybe those first few sessions, it feels like it's a little bit more work to get teletherapy started, but really truthfully, after a few, it, it doesn't feel like extra work to have a productive, um, joyful feeding session. It, it just naturally, you, you get a rhythm for it. So it may be a little fearful in the beginning, but hang with us. It, it gets better. That's right, right? I'm not yeah. nuts saying that. Yeah, <laughs> you have to science to back that up, right? <laughs> um, but I know that I feel like it's just like learning any new skill. And I think sometimes what can be frustrating, like with telepractice, is you're, it doesn't feel like you're doing a new skill because you're actually doing the same sort of day-to-day job and you don't necessarily think of it as, oh, I went to this course and now I'm going to integrate this brand new snazzy thing that I learned and I, I know that it's going to take me a few goes and but then I'll feel better about it and I'll be able to do it really easily because like you know you haven't necessarily had to go do a course and it's this brand new thing and it's sort of the same sort of thing but just in a different way you can sometimes yeah just just forget that it is it's a learning sort of going to take some time and just the more you do it the more comfortable you you feel and and the more that you learn from other people that you're working with from the families that you're working with because you know they gave they give great feedback or great suggestions or particularly Mm -hmm. if they're working with other disciplines and they might say oh yeah the OT does this and it works really well and you can go oh I I didn't think of that that sounds like a great you know a great idea Um, but I think you know that that's almost one of my favorite things about telly is that it's so flexible and you can use it in in so many different ways that like you can you can basically choose your own adventure you know or the family can can choose their own adventure but you know like you can do you can do that you know direct one-to-one face-to-face as we've been talking about you can do shared care where you can you know link in with other other people or link in you know with like a specialty clinic so you know there's there's some really lovely no tube Sorry, my friend, Dr. Marion Russell, she's an OT and she does this via no tube. Um, it's the oh, yeah. um, it's the feeding clinic out of Austria that they just started over here in the States. Austria, not Australia. But yes, but that's but the clinic, she's talked about that. Sorry, I got all excited and my ADD kicked in. I apologize. <laughs> no, no, yeah. And they they're actually they're presenting on that at Feeding Matters. Um yes. Yeah, but um, you know, like you can link in with special like other specialty clinics. You can have a case conference with like it can be easier to get everyone's schedules together to get you know the five people who are treating this child in a room than if you had to all go somewhere. Um, or you can ask. You know, I have a have a lot of success in asking families to take photos of things at home or videos, so that then when they come, we're back to doing a combination of face to face and telly. I, I can have families come in to see me now, but you know, if if I'm, you know, I can ask them, could you just take a photo of the high chair setup, or could you video? You know, you're telling me that he's having the most trouble at night time. I can't see you at eight pm at night. Could you just take a video of, of you know what's happening there? Um, and then let's watch it back when you come into clinic. Yeah. yeah. I think there's just so many ways that you can 
use it and, you know, use it to our advantage and um, to, to really help support that child in a really holistic and sort of um, really less cool. burdensome way. Yeah. Yes, yes, because this is uh, rem- treat, evaluating and treating a child with a pediatric feeding disorder. This has to be positive to neutral at best. And if it's not, then we're doing them a disservice. And one, I love how you say telly. It just makes my heart happy every time you say it like that because, I mean, I think teletherapy, but I'm like, oh, it just sounds dreadful. But when you say telly, I'm like, ooh, I do telly. That sounds so exotic. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> I think that's a very Australian thing to just take words and shorten them. <laughs> yeah, when we do that over here in the States, normally it turns into a four-letter word, and that's frowned upon in graceful society, but my family is um, Navy, Army, so, like, colorful adjectives just kind of happen in my world. <laughs> Shame on me. My granddaddy was a drill sergeant, and Lord Almighty, he can't ask you to pass a salt shaker at the dinner table without at least one four-letter word. And we just, i that was normal growing up, right? Because he was a drill sergeant. <laughs> but apparently outside of our normal family, that's not as socially acceptable. <laughs> okay. So, all right. So we've talked about kind of what you need mm-hmm. and to kind of get going and we went way deep dive into this, but, um, and we've talked a little bit about how we can integrate telepractice into pediatric feeding service provision. Mm-hmm. Are there other aspects of this that we've missed? Because I do want to get to barriers and how to overcome that as well. Yeah, no, I think, I think, you know, we've probably chatted a bit about, you know, how we can integrate it in various different ways. And yeah, we could talk about some of, some of the barriers and, and ways um, you know, personally that I've found or that you've found, um, because I think, I think that this is something that there's so many different ways you can do it. And, and we're always learning. I'm always learning. I've been, you know, doing it for a few years now. And I would definitely not say that I know everything or that, you know, I don't, don't go away and go, that was a really tough session. You know, why, what about that didn't work? What, what about that? Can I improve next time? Um, because every child is different. Every session is different. And, Sometimes technology, sometimes technology is your friend and, and sometimes it's having a really difficult day. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, I was trying to observe sessions this week and there's construction going on behind our house and we lost power in the middle of a session, unplanned, no storms, no nothing. And I had to um, hop off, hop back on on my phone and then just hope and pray we didn't like I had enough phone life in order to like hold the session via zoom for everybody. And that was unanticipated. And, but we had a backup plan, backup plan. Miss Michelle hosted. So Miss Michelle will restart it and then copy paste and send the link to the student and then to the family. And then we all hopped back on and, and, and made it functional. But I think for me, one of the biggest barriers to teletherapy has been, Honestly, the amount of time it takes or I need to be stationary. I'm not a stationary person. So when I first started with teletherapy, I thought I had to sit very still on camera and I felt very, for lack of a better word, I felt like I had to be more proper. 
Um, and that's not how I am during a normal therapy session, right? Like I have one little guy uh, and his positive feedback, like when he does a really good job and he's like knocking his bites out of the park, we do dance offs. And so <laughs> he'll go over and he'll ask Alexa. And one of his favorite song- songs is Vanilla Ice, Ice, Ice Baby. I hope to God. Do you know who Vanilla Ice is? From yeah. Like- yeah. Okay, good. So there's my middle-aged self going, Ice, Ice Baby. <laughs> It's not pretty. I I dance like a middle-aged white lady, but like, eh, I try. But I felt like I had to be so stiff and that sucks because I'm not that way in therapy. But I realized over the course of the last several months, because we've had a long time to practice this, that I don't have to be that way and I can still be my joyful, fun self. And never underestimate the power of a backdrop, y'all. One of my students this week, honest to God, showed up in therapy session with a pack of llamas behind her. And the little girl flipped. And she was like, okay, Miss Susie Q, now you feed the llamas. And so, like, my student was like, pretend low-key giving bites of like peas and carrots to the llamas over her shoulder. And the three-year-old was like thriving and doing all the touch it, kiss it, lick it's um, modified SOS approach. Um, thank you, Dr. K. Toomey, that like she ate so much for a pack of llamas. Right? <laughs> I, I like, love that. I haven't played with, um, I haven't played with backdrops. That's a fun suggestion. I, I would never have done that because I'm technologically challenged, but leave it to a younger student to just do something to make it fun. And then bam, this kid has so much success in this therapy session. And I was like, oh, llamas, you there, we're doing this again. I mean, <laughs> Michelle's going to remember, pack of llamas, feed the llamas. But also the little girl did her L right for llamas. So like bonus, <laughs> yay. <laughs> But those those were so barriers, stiffness for me. I don't what what have been some of the barriers for you? Yeah, I think as I sort of talked about earlier, some of that pixelated images, which we've I've sort of, you know, found some workarounds in terms of just making sure the device is stable. Um, for me, one of the biggest things, which sounds really hilarious, but I'm not a technology whiz. Um, although I'm doing my PhD in telepractice. Um, <laughs> I love it. I'm not great with technology. I have to, yeah, my my partner, he um, is like, if I have a problem, I'm like, oh, I need to set up, I need this computer to do this and, and share to this something and, and he'll help me figure it out. Um, so I think for me, one of the, the biggest things was just knowing and, and being able to problem solve those technology difficulties because it doesn't overly come naturally to me. And what I found was the best thing to do was I, we use a specific, um, web like a health service web platform that's sort of secure and and our families download like an app and then they just click on the link and it it takes them to the video sort of session it's um really handy but so what I did was I downloaded on my personal device the um the sort of app that they use and then I, I played around with it and I would you know I'd go into all the different facets and go okay well when I link in I can't hear me because it's it's sort of auto set to like headphones instead of speaker. And so I just, I played around with it all and practiced turning off the video and putting on the video and, and you know, doing different things so that then I felt more comfortable and actually knew how I could help families if they were stuck because I sort of knew, I knew the platform and, and what, what, 
what some of those issues could have been. Um, so that was that was one of my biggest things. That's really smart. Yeah, and I, I do I do practice runs with the girls that I work with. Um, you know, if we're you know because technology isn't everyone's cup of tea, um, and so for people who feel less confident, I'll say, well, do you want to just do a little practice session where you can practice actually just linking in, figuring out how to do that to start with, and then I can link in, and then we can practice different issues with technology, and we can try and problem solve them. Yeah, and it's it's helpful. That's really smart. I'm I'm now I'm sorry my brain's going and I'm like hmm I need to do this one because I've had we had the not knowing who's going to be there right like I have found out minutes before a session that oh by the way I'm tied up over here so the babysitter will be there or um so and so just threw up so I'm in the back room so big brother is helping those kind of things right I mean because families have multiple children and puke happens um and and having to navigate those new people through yeah i'm just thinking how in retrospect in instead of just jumping into the session maybe i should have just said slowed down and said hey let's let's work with getting you comfortable before we jump right in and then we've had i've had an interesting one pop up where every once in a while siblings all need the various devices within the home. So what we normally do for therapy won't work because maybe this sibling has a test so they need the mommy's computer and this sibling has a, a spelling or a history quiz and so they need, you know, daddy's iPad. And so where we would normally do a therapy session, say at the kitchen table, now we're doing it in the living room or a room that the child doesn't normally eat in. And and that doesn't happen consistently, right? It's a, a sporadic because this is what happened in this one moment in time kind of day. The stars aligned for doom that day, right? But when that has happened, that has definitely thrown a kink in what the plan for the therapy session was. So it's like you had to ever so quickly adjust and, you know, oh, wow, you're eating in a new room today. Do you normally eat in this room? Wow, how do you feel about eating in the new room? And every once in a while, the kid's like, this is a no-no. <laughs> and I'm like, well, we're just going to bend the rules today. <laughs> but like, and then sometimes they're like, we never go in this room. Yay. And the mom's like, please just don't have a messy session because like, we don't want the carpets to get dirty or like, you know, whatever. But yeah. um, and inevitably, that's going to be your messiest session ever. But, you know, life. But those are some of the sporadic changes that I've, I've seen happen that you have to kind of adjust for. Um, so any therapeutic plan you had going in, well, you're just going to have to change ever so quickly. And I think um, sort of with the devices as well that you're talking about is we always talk to families about the pref like a preferred device if we have options is a movable device um, because, you know, so not a desktop computer because, you know, when inevitably the child moves and decides they don't want to sit in the green chair, they want to sit, you know, next to it in the red chair next to, you know, that it's very easy then to just swivel the device and, and move it and it's not as big of an issue than being like oh well they've run off screen and now now I can't get them back 
My very first teletherapy session, Bear, he was five, he walked in and had a giant bloody booger on the tip of his finger. And he goes, this just fell out of my nose. And I was like, that's a lie. <laughs> like, I like ever so quickly wiped it off his finger, sent him running in the other room. And um, one of the, um, the, the patient's mommy was very cool and calm. And she goes, well, the physical therapist, two-year-old yesterday stripped butt naked and ran behind us during therapy. So I got to see her two-year-old <laughs> bolting and I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, this is our world now. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. But those are the, so folks, creativity and grace. And, and then something else that has been very real barrier for us at least is COVID fatigue. Mm. Like I'm freaking tired y'all. And, and yes, probably because we just had COVID and like, to be fair, I'm like really exhausted and basically all I want to do is sleep still, but the emotional, mental and physical fatigue of the stress of trying to make sure that I am giving of my time, talents, and energies to the patients while still giving that to my family and my home and still giving that to my students and still giving that to my my friends, my village, and also to myself. And that's a lot of giving out and not a lot of protecting my own energy. Um, so I feel depleted and it leaves me and this is a very honest raw statement it leaves me feeling insufficient and lacking in a lot of fronts and that's because we are month 100 billionth into into a pandemic and we're all feeling that way and so I have found that where my sessions used to be an hour I I'm stretching all of us too far with that hour, right? So one COVID fatigue for me has manifested in that barrier. And so I found that if I go with a 30 minute session or a 45 minute session, then we're doing okay. And I have some little guys who, if we get in there and we do a great coaching session for like 15 or 20 minutes and the parents have gotten what they needed and they have a plan in place for next week and that's all they can give because they are also as equally exhausted trying to manage other sibling schedules or the tiny human having a change in their diet or new meds, then that's a great session. So COVID fatigue has impacted the duration of my therapy. I would like to think that by altering the time to meet everybody's needs, I am still giving high quality. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, you're so right. And that was such a lovely way, I think, to explain how lots of people are feeling because COVID has been scary and unexpected and a lot of adjustment for people both in personal areas and you know work and home and like it's just been such a such a big change and then this is learning a pretty big skill on top and I think yeah it's you know looking after yourself where you can and and being kind to yourself and yep. knowing that yeah you're 
you're doing, you know, it's hard and you're working your best. And, and so are the families that we're working with who are, yeah, got all the kids at home and it's really different. Um, yeah, it's been a really interesting year. I think I was reading something that I think it's like a year anniversary of COVID or something. The first COVID case was around this time last year. Wow. Oh yeah. my gosh. Wow. Holy cow. That's so profound. I just need a moment to like process this, you know, squirrel. But when I was little, I always wondered how did people fall in love and get married during World War II? With the whole world crumbling and everybody falling apart, how did they still, I'm like such a romance at heart. Can you tell Madeline that like, I am like a perpetual, like rose glasses and I love Nora Roberts and all the gushy love stories, right? Especially when there's fairies and princesses involved. I am girly, girly. But now that we're this far in, I get it. Because life and love doesn't stop. It keeps going. It's harder. But I think it makes it so much more meaning in what we do. Because it makes everything is so tenuous and very fragile. And so I feel like what we do has more meaning. Yes. Okay, before I start getting super cushy and like my eyes start leaking, dun, 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 let's go <laughs> to some benefits. <laughs> okay, so what are some benefits that you've identified when through through telly? Can I, did I say it right? Yeah. Telly. <laughs> I feel so worldly. <laughs> okay, so what are your what are your favorite benefits? Let's end on that. Let's yeah, that's a nice one to end on. Um, I feel like I've got, I've got lots, but I, you know, as this sort of talked about sort of throughout, I've loved sort of that increase, like increased carryover and that increased confidence for, for parents and, you know, seeing some really meaningful changes because they're, they're implementing things in their everyday with their everyday. As, as I think we talked about last time we caught up, I work in a service where, um, clients and patients come to, to my outpatient clinic. So I, I don't really go to homes and do home visiting so for me the opportunity to see people in their homes and to work with what they have and you know to really go oh yeah that's you know um let's maybe try this slightly differently and to be able to coach them in that way is phenomenal and I feel like I've had so many great wins and gains through that that I wouldn't have got to have if you know if they were having to come in so that's been a that's been a really big one for me. I really do feel that the coaching aspect of this, that carryover, you're right. I think I think that's the biggest because so here in the States, we're having this, it's this weird transition period across the country going away from direct intervention for early intervention and moving to best practice for coaching and different states do it excellent. And then other states are still kind of like catching up on it. But I feel like telly, <laughs> that's so cool. But I feel like using teletherapy has driven that model. And, and I'm going to say this, and y'all can throw the tomatoes at me afterwards, but I am not a proponent of chewy tubes and Z-vibes and non-speech oral motor exercises for increasing PO tolerance. Um, last week we had uh, the amazing um, Marsha Dunkline on with Get Permission Approach, and we've had Dr. Marion Russell on to talk about 
why we need to have uh, all of us go to the table with the tiny human. And I feel like the use of teletherapy has made us as a profession reassess what it is that we're doing in our feeding sessions. And I have seen the evidence-based approaches behind SOS, get permission. I have seen the shift back towards that and embracing the research there. And that might be my most grateful moment with teletherapy is that we're I feel like we're finally embracing the evidence behind treatment of pediatric feeding disorders and it does not require plastic and that's wonderful I mean maybe a plastic spoon but like definitely not a plastic tube (laughs) so like dun 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 is that a thing in Australia do you guys really struggle with non-speech oral motor exercises down there where where is that Um, in your world I don't think that we do. I, I, I probably it's probably not as because I, I obviously like a lot of the things I follow are sort of American based, and then I, I do some Australian things. But it doesn't seem to be as big or as large over here. I, I don't. I, I, yeah, I, I don't have anything to compare it to because I'm only used to Australia. So. I'm just saying, you got snakes and spiders and things that could kill you, but there's no chewy tubes. So, like, you're kind of making a pitch for Australia. You're like, yeah, like there is chewy tubes and there is Z vibes, but I think, um, like, they're used um, not in the same way necessarily. Like, I, yeah. you know, yeah, I don't know. That's <laughs> that's that's for our follow up, Australia. You get kicked out of Australia. I yeah. get welcomed and kicked out of the States. Hey, you know what? We'll start over somewhere else. There's got to be an island for us. It's cool. It's fine. No, We're fine. No, but I found oh, out one of my favorites sort of with the carryover things has been just because um, it's such a good example, um, but it's positioning. I've, we've had so many kids who, you know, they come into clinic and you talk about, you know, and we've had, and this actually happened for me when I was doing my research project, which was in, I think we collected the data in like 2018, 2000, early 2019. So COVID was definitely not on the cards. And um, we'd had children who'd been coming in for intervention and, you know, I wasn't their usual um, speech, you know, speech language pathologist. And, um, you know, everyone had talked about positioning is so important. Positioning is so important. You know, that what you're describing is the high chair. It doesn't seem ideal. You don't have any foot support or, you know, sort of talking about that. And that had been talked about so many times. And then we did this, um, you know, did the tele session for the research and sort of saw what they were doing, you know, talked about, oh, yeah, no, that that's not ideal. Maybe we could go get some towels to, you know, stop them leaning to the side or can we put, you know, something under their feet or, you know, just did some of that problem solving with the parent going and doing it and getting it with their chair. And then what happened was I had um, my colleagues saying to me that when they saw these children again, they were like, well, Maddie said that positioning is so important and we've done, you know, and this was something that they'd been, you know, been told for months, but that just really hit home after having that that one session where it actually wasn't even the focus of the session. It just was something that came up. Nice. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Maddie says, my baby sister's a Maddie, Madison and we call her Maddie and Maddie's a uh, cardiac RN 
And um, <laughs> when Maddie says something, you listen because <laughs> she likes to remind people. She was like, I can break your ribs and bring you back to life. And we're like, yep, Maddie says. <laughs> Pardon? And then I think one of the other things that has been a benefit, and this one here was from my research study. So I think, you know, there's there's lots of benefits in terms of, you know, reduced travel and reduced time and cost for travel. And, you know, parents are quite quite happy and satisfied with it. I mean, I don't know what your families are saying, Michelle, and I think it's slightly different. Everyone's sort of been forced into telly at the moment. But um, I've had a lot of families who sort of said, I was really on the fence about this or I really wasn't sure what to expect, but this was this was better than what I thought it would be. This has been fantastic. I really want to keep doing this. You know, I, I want to do sort of like a bit of in-person and a bit of telly and, and that's sort of what I, what I want to do. Um, but that also came through in part of my PhD. So um, I'm writing up the paper at the moment about sort of did this like health economics analysis. And um, what we found was that for most families attending, attending our in, in clinic appointment took them like from their usual day, either half a day or a full day. Um, mm-hmm. Versus when we did this tele appointment, it was only one to two hours. They saved about 90 Australian dollars, um, you know, per appointment from not having to park, not losing time off work and all those sorts of things. And we also had, we, we got parents to do, uh, like a satisfaction questionnaire, which was like a, it was a um, sort of eight item ranked and they were all really satisfied with it. And this was sort of before, you know, so if you want some nice research, I'm hoping that they should all be published and out there in the, in the next little while. But, you know, that was before COVID. And, and now I think we're just seeing more and more families who probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have opted for telly before um, because it, it's, it's, different and it's it's a bit intimidating um, but as they're getting experience sort of similar to to you know clinicians sort of as they're doing it they're going oh yeah this is this is quite good I really like this aspect of it um, yeah have you found similar yes yes I've had I have one family in particular that we have their child is on palliative care measures, which is like one here in the States. It's like one step up from hospice. They allow like one therapist for like a period of time into the home and then they'll like roll through to the next because they're just trying to limit potential exposures in the home, which I completely understand and support. And it's been kind of nice to kind of rotate amongst my allied health team and and see how we're all bringing different elements when we come. And, you know, the mom's like, it's it's nice because we don't have to go. Because for that child in particular, it is parking, travel, and all of that. But also all of the equipment that you have to bring mm-hmm. with a child that's that complex. That's mm-hmm. just physically exhausting. One one mom goes, I'm just grateful that we're not we're not going out in public all the time because he just licked everything. And honest <laughs> to goodness, the kid licked the elevator, he licked the doors. I mean, he wouldn't lick food when we started, but he licked literally everything that was a non-food object because we'd have to go behind and Clorox wipe everything. And I mean, like we laugh about it now, but you gotta laugh about it, right? Like, and the mom laughed about it, so you know, we you you find joy in it and. And so for the the parents, and I am that mom. I mean, my own child had therapy sessions. And so Bear had speech therapy sessions in the pandemic. And I can tell you as a mom, it was, it was really nice to have 
our therapy because he was an Arctic kid. So we would do our, like it was lovely to have our teletherapy sessions because I got a break. I mean, I would set him up and he, you know, bears a pretty, you know, business-minded six-year-old if there ever was such a thing and so he would sit there talk to his lovely ladies that's what he called his speech therapist um and the speech therapy student he goes mom I need to talk to my ladies now they're so lovely and I'm like okay you you do you kid and then I'm in the background watching observing but like making dinner or doing dishes and he was getting what he needed and I was still able to keep household running and that was so there's I get it as a clinician and I get it as a parent, which was really awesome insight. But I did like going in face to face at least once a month because I'm an extrovert and I needed that interaction. So that was, you know, and Bear was like, they're so much bigger in person. I'm like, yeah, you know, they look a little different on the laptop. <laughs> so like, there's that. They're so much bigger in person. They're so much bigger in person. I was like, please don't say that in front of people. That's not right. But yes. Okay. All right. We went over because of course we did. I so enjoy you and your enthusiasm and your and your honesty. It's so refreshing. It's just wonderful. Okay. So I know that you're not on the Instagram and the Facebook, but if somebody wants to learn from you, where can they learn more? How can they reach you? Do you know where your art, your your um, research will be published? Give us the details here, friend. Yeah, so um, I am on Twitter, as uh, we we're talking about. I only use Twitter <laughs> for professional reasons for following mostly a lot of conference and, and new journal publications. But um, if you are on Twitter, you can follow me. I'm at um, Madeline Ratz, which is M A D E L I N E R A T Z. Um, or Z. Uh, I was going to say, what's a Z, honey? I don't know that letter. Okay, right. Z. Yes. I had, this, I had this issue when I've been to the States in the past. Um, yeah, so you can find me on Twitter or I, where am I? So I've got three, three of my papers for my PhD have been published so far. Um, two are in dysphagia and one's in the Journal of Telemedicine and Telecare. They all have my email address, so you can always email me, which is um, madeline.rats at uqconnect.edu.au. Um, I'm always more than happy to, to chat with people. I've been um, loving talking to people. Uh, we, we have a free online learning platform um, that's been published by Queensland Health, um, which um, sort of takes about an hour and it has some videos and some sort of information for clinicians who are wanting to offer peed feeding services via telepractice. Yeah, and then hopefully I'll have these last two papers coming out sometime soon, but I, I usually tweet about them. So that's that's probably the best way to follow. The tweet. I would you make me seriously want to consider the Twitter bird. There's been enough there's been enough fake news in the States that I am purposefully not on the Twitter bird right now. But um dear friend, you make me reconsider that. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I only follow like um you know, Feeding Matters and the Dysphagia Research Society and researchers. I don't follow any of the other things because I understand that yeah. Twitter can, can have some very uh, interesting content, but I, I don't follow that. <laughs> I think otherwise yeah. I just go into a rabbit hole. Yes, that's that's why that's why my Facebook feed I follow all the fluffy animals and um cookie baking um tips because I love cookies. So okay. All right, let me switch this over to questions. Hold on the phone real quick, okay? Feeding matters. 
guides system-wide changes by uniting caregivers, professionals, and community partners under the Pediatric Feeding Disorder Alliance. So what is this alliance? The Alliance is an open access collaborative community focused on achieving strategic goals within three focus areas, education, advocacy, and research. So who is the Alliance? It's you. The Alliance is open to any person passionate about improving care for children with a pediatric feeding disorder. To date, 187 professionals, caregivers, and partners have joined the Alliance. You can join today by visiting the Feeding Matters website at www.feedingmatters.org. Click on PFD Alliance tab and sign up today. Change is possible when we work together. That's a wrap, folks. Once again, thank you for listening to First Bite, fed, fun, and functional. I'm your humble but yet sassy host, Michelle Dawson, the All Things Peds SLP. This podcast is part of a course offered for continuing education through speechtherapypd.com. Please check out the website if you'd like to learn more about CEU opportunities for this episode, as well as the ones that are archived. And as always, remember, feed your mind, feed your soul, be kind, and feed those babies. Mm -hmm.